Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 30 through 35, a very familiar portion of scripture. This is the parable known as the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, 30 through 35. And it says, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed, on the, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spends more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And I want to preach on this thought. I believe that the Lord has laid upon my heart entitled, A Compassionate Church. A Compassionate Church. In the United States of America, there is a law called the Law of the Good Samaritan. It's a law that's in place for two reasons. First, it provides legal protection for someone that administers medical help or assistance to someone that's experiencing an emergency. And if that individual in good faith goes and helps, administers help to that person experiencing an emergency, they are legally protected just in case they injure that person. But this law has another aspect to it as well. It also says that if you're a witness to somebody in need of medical help, that you are not under any legal obligation to administer assistance. Only if you were the one that caused the injury. In essence, what this is saying, if you really wanted to, you could walk on by, drive on by, while that person perhaps might even die on the side of the road. Now applying this spiritually, I believe that if we're not careful, we could be around people that are dying, dying in their sins, and that they are in need of spiritual assistance. But instead of giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that saves, delivers, the gospel that heals and transforms, instead of giving them that help that they need, we just walk on by. 
Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 and 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, let me let you guys in a little bit on how this message was birthed in my heart. It actually was birthed because my wife let me have it the other day. She's not here right now. She's not feeling well. Pray for her. But she let me have it. What do you mean, Brother Rusi? Well, we were going to the store, and there was an individual, a young man, that was outside of the store. I could tell someone that perhaps was struggling with addiction, somebody that might have just got released from prison. He had that look, and he was passing out flyers asking for donations to his rehabilitation home. And what did Brother Rusi do? In my mind, I needed to get in and out of that store as soon as possible, so I just walked on by. And my wife almost grabbed me by the ear. She didn't. And she let me know, what are you doing? Well, what do you mean? I just, we're just going to the store. Let's get in and out. She said, no. There is a person right there that needs to hear about Jesus. As in a matter, in a matter of fact, they come from the same lifestyle that you and I come from. So what are you doing? And I didn't know if I should get upset or let her know that she was right. But she was right. Thank God for the wives that know the right time and the right way to let us have it. So we went and we spoke to this individual, shared the gospel with them for several minutes. So the reason I share this is because I believe that if we're not careful, we could just walk by people every single day. People that are in need. People that need to hear the gospel. People that are at the end of their rope, not knowing where to go and what to do. And today, if it's okay, let the Holy Ghost remind us today that the Lord is looking for a compassionate church that is able to look not only within the church building at the people of God, because yes, we need to be compassionate with one another. But remind ourselves that there's also a world that is lost. And that it's not all about us. It's about Jesus. It's about his people. And it's about reaching a lost world for his honor and for his glory. I believe that the Lord in this hour is raising up a compassionate church. And today I want to just look at the story here of the Good Samaritan because I believe that it can help us become more compassionate. And it can also help somebody here today receive the compassion of God. If you've come here with a need today, let me tell you what. The Lord Jesus is compassionate towards you. 
And he can meet your need here today just like he met the need. This good Samaritan met the need of this person that was on the side of the road. Jesus can meet your need here as well. But number one, let me share this. That the world does not offer compassion. We may think that sometimes that people out there offer compassion. But let me say this. All compassion comes down from the Lord. Okay? And in the scripture it says that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves and was stripped with his raiment. And he was wounded and, dep- and then they departed him, leaving him half dead. You know, this is a picture of what the world does to people out there that do not have God. And this road from Jerusalem to Jericho was infamous for being a crime-ridden road. It was dry. It was arduous. It was a difficult journey that dangerously descended more than 3,000 feet below. Suffice to say, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a high-risk journey. And living in this world, friend, without Jesus Christ, is also dry. It's also difficult. It's a life where you're literally risking your own soul. Because you're exposed to this cruel world. And an enemy called the devil that hates you. Why risk? Living without Jesus Christ. He loves you. He wants to make you free. He wants to change your life from a lost life to a saved life and a blessed life. How many witnesses do we have in the house this morning that we were once lost? We were once blind, amen, but Jesus saved us, and now he's also given us sight. You see, it's better to live a life with the Lord. And you might ask me, well, preacher, how do you know? Well, like me and many others here today, we lived a life without God. Matter of fact, everybody did at one point or another. And if you compare your life now, to what it was then, you would have to definitely say without a doubt uh, that, the, that this life is the best life. That serving the Lord, that you cannot even imagine how it would be now without serving the Lord. Because it's a good life serving God. And I'm not saying that you don't have problems in Christianity. There are problems. That we do have to face. You know, you listen to these preachers on TV sometimes and they say all your problems are going to go away. And it seems like you're going to become a millionaire overnight. Right? It would be nice, Pastor. But the reality is that there are difficulties when you give your life to Jesus. But the difference is now that you have a God of compassion that walks with you every single day of your life. 
And if you find yourself in need, you'll find a God that is able and willing to provide your every need. If you find yourself sick in body, you will find a God who's compassionate and he heals you. If you don't see the way out in a situation, we serve a God that is able to open doors for you. And make a way where there seemeth to be no way. And when the devil himself tries to come against you and attack you, the Lord Jesus will step right in and fight the battle for you. We serve a compassionate God. Do not live a life without Jesus. And this parable, once again, it teaches us what a person living without Jesus is exposed to. Because just as this individual was robbed, wounded, and left for dead, the enemy of our souls does the same thing to those living lost in this world. And Jesus gives us the devil's M.O. in John 10.10 saying, The thief cometh not. But to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the devil's MO, his modus operandi. He steals your blessings, he wants to steal your health, your purity, and your dignity. He wants to steal that from you, he wants to steal your marriage, your children. Your family, he wants to steal the abundant life that's available to you. And more than that, he wants to steal eternal life from you as well. He's a thief that also kills. He's a killer of dreams. He's a killer of purpose. He's a hope killer, a faith killer. And he literally wants to kill you physically. But the reason and the very fact that you're still alive today means that God has a plan for your life. You didn't die in that accident. You didn't die in that situation. God protected you because there's a plan for your life. God has things that he wants to do for you, but you got to let him do it. The devil also destroys you. You would think, wow. He steals and he kills. Well, that's enough, devil. No, he wants to destroy. He's relentless. He doesn't stop. He wants to destroy your name. He wants to destroy your legacy. He wants to destroy your soul, meaning taking salvation from you. He wants to wipe you off the face of the earth as if you never have even existed. Don't let him do it, friend. Get a hold of a compassionate God that is here this morning. That is offering you eternal life and life abundance. And a life that is free. And when you live this life like that in the world, without Christ, you're left half dead. You're physically alive, but your spirit is dead. But let me tell you what, Jesus has life available for you. And I want to declare that right now in the mighty name of Jesus because that that scripture where it says that the devil, that the thief has not come but to steal, 
and to kill and to, to, to destroy. That would be something if, there was a, if it ended right there, but it doesn't end right there, that scripture. That scripture continues to say, but I have come that they might have life. And this is Jesus speaking. And that they might have it more abundantly. He wants to give life to your soul and spirit. He wants to give somebody here life to their health. You came in sick in body. You don't know what to do. And even the doctors don't know what to do. Can I tell you, we serve a compassionate God that can give life to your health and to your body. He wants to give life to your wealth. He wants to give life to your marriage. He wants to give life to your family and to your children. He wants to give life to your faith into every aspect of your life because the God that we serve is a life giver. And today, there is an invitation going out with your name written on it, friend. This invitation goes forth by way of the message of the gospel. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ, the God of compassion. I'll tell you what, you'll never regret it. There are any testimony, witnesses, that you never have regretted. The only thing you regretted is that you didn't give your life to the Lord sooner, right? I wish I would have listened to the preacher sooner. I wish I would have listened to that person that shared the love of God with me sooner. I wouldn't have had to have gone through all those things that I went through. But thank God that the day came. And thank God that the day came where you accepted the Lord into your life. But let me also say that, number two, the church should demonstrate God's compassion. Because if there's no compassion out there in the world, we are the body of Christ that ought to offer God's compassion to this world. And in verse 31 and 32 of our text, it says, and by chance, and let me stop there really quick because that word right there is interesting, by chance. It says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. That word chance, if you look it up in the, in the Greek, it means, it literally means that by divine appointment, really. That it really wasn't an accident. Maybe the priest thought it was an accident that he ran into this guy on the road. By chance, oh, just happened to be there. But it was a divine appointment set up by God. And in 2024... You will have divine appointments set up by God with people that the Lord will bring into your life that you were not expecting, that you did not set up appointments that God has set up. And what are you going to do when that divine appointment comes your way? Are we going to walk on by? Or are we going to offer the gospel and the love and compassion of God? I've had my share of divine appointments. And let me tell you what, there are no coincidences in the things of God. And there came down 
a certain priest that way, just by chance. Well, it was just by chance, Brother Rusi. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You see, the priest and the Levite in this story represent a compassionate-less Christianity. It represents the Christian that is so wrapped up in him or himself, kind of like I was that day going into the store. I was worried about my priorities for that moment. But it's talking about the Christian that's just wrapped up in himself or herself that they have forgotten to be a light in this dark world. The priest and the Levite had the appearance of someone that could offer help to this wounded man. But instead, the, the scripture says, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. It wasn't that they couldn't help. Instead, they had refused to help. Because in their minds, they had more important things to attend to. I got some things to attend to in the temple, the priest might have thought. The Levite, you know, I got to prepare the, the sacrifice. I got things to attend to. This man right here is interrupting my schedule. They seen him. They looked upon him, but they walked on by. Now hear me. There are very important things we must attend to in church and in life. And in this church, I know the heart of our pastor. Our pastor and the ministry of this church, we are here to serve and to attend to the needs of the members of PFAC. And believe me, our pastor and our first lady work very hard and others as well, and we'll continue to do our very best to attend to the needs of the brethren of Phoenix First Apostolic Church. How many are grateful for their pastor, the first lady, the ministry of this church? We're here to serve you. We're here to attend to you. But in reality, we're all here to serve one another. Yes, we are. These things, serving the believers of the household of faith, it's all very important for us and before the Lord. Because we're the people of God. You're the people of God. We need each other. We love you. And we're here to serve you. We're not perfect, but we're doing our best. But let's not forget as well that the work of the church doesn't end with service to the brethren. It extends to the lost. It extends to a world that does not know Jesus and needs a Savior. 1 Timothy 1, 15. I love this verse because I believe it's the heart of God. And it says that this is a faithful saying. 1 Timothy 1, 15. And worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief, wrote the Apostle Paul. Well, I thought, Brother Rusi, that the Lord came, came to give me a nice house. 
I thought that he came to make me happy. I thought he came uh, to give me some material things. Uh, and you know, you know what? All these blessings are awesome that the Lord provides into our lives. But that's not why he came. The Lord came to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul says, of whom I am chief. You know what he was saying there? He says, I got to remember that I also was in a lost condition once upon a time. Thank God now that he saved us and he's filled us with the Holy Ghost. And he's using many of us in ministry for the furtherance of the gospel and the kingdom. But don't forget that one time long perhaps long time ago or short time ago, you and I were also lost. And Paul is saying, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget to be grateful for the salvation that you have because it'll cause you to not forget those that are out there as well that need the Lord. And I got to remind myself every so often where I came from, where the Lord saved me from, because I could get caught up. Wow, thank you, God, that I get to preach behind a pulpit now. Thank you, Lord, that I get to wear a nice coat and some nice pants. You know, it wasn't always like that. I know the majority know my testimony and where I came from, but for once upon a time, I was lost in prisons and in addiction and in gang violence. But one day, Jesus came into my life just like he came into your life. Whatever condition you were living in, maybe it wasn't that what I lived. Maybe it was something else. That's okay. We all come from different places. But remember, you were also lost once ago. And I got to be able to share the message and not forget and not be grateful. I'll shed tears every service. Every service I shed tears. I always shed tears because I got to, I, I, I remind myself, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. Yeah, you know what? We got issues in life, problems that come our way. We got things we got to attend to, but let's not forget. Don't forget where he brought you from. Great, be grateful for that. It'll really help your praise. I'll tell you what, it will. And it'll help you learn to not forget when we see somebody out there. You know what? There'll be that nudge. You were once like that. You were once lost. You once needed to hear the gospel. You once were in that condition. Don't just walk on by. Offer the compassion of God. And I know, realistically speaking, it's not always easy. Especially... When we see people that are out there totally lost, it's not that easy to approach them. I get it. And that's why I recommend testify to those that you can identify with. Start there if you're struggling with sharing the gospel. You know, because I know if you see somebody that's out there all tatted down, addicted, Maybe homeless. It's not that easy for you to walk up to them. It's easier for me because I come from that lifestyle. 
and I feel right at home with them. I do. And I talk their language, and I know what they're saying, and it's simple for me. And I got to testify to them. It's not that difficult for me. But if you didn't come from that lifestyle, I understand. Yes, we should still share the gospel. But if you're struggling, begin sharing the gospel with those that you can identify with. Identify with, because maybe you might say, well, I didn't come from that lifestyle. I lived a moral life, Brother Rusi. I lived a life that I never went to prison. I wasn't involved in gang violence. I lived a good life. You lived a moral but a lost life. You still needed salvation, and Jesus saved you. You know what you can reach? Begin to reach those that were in your condition as well. And I'll tell you what, sometimes the moralists are the most difficult to reach. Yeah, because they don't feel they need Jesus. They don't feel they need salvation. I got a good life. I got money in the bank. I got a nice house. I got a good job. What do you mean? Jesus is for those that are out there on the street and in the prisons. No, everybody needs Jesus. But begin with those. You know why? Because you could identify yourself with them, and they could identify themselves with you. Maybe you grew up in the church. Did you know, here's a revelation, there's lost souls that are also growing up in the church here that you can reach some young people and share the message with them. There are people that you can connect to and them same people are able to connect with you. Maybe you were a prodigal son or daughter at one time, but you came back. If you ever see another prodigal, that's your job to reach them. It's our job too, but you're the one that can identify with them. You're the one that really knows, prodigal, that came back to the things of God. Thank God that you came back. But you're the one that really knows why it's difficult for them that leave the church, why it's so difficult for them to come back. Sometimes it's hard for me to imagine that because I never left the church, and I don't really get it sometimes, but you get it. You know why they don't want to come back. You know the obstacles that they face. There are people that we can identify with in this lost world and share the compassion of God to them. God is raising up a compassionate church in this hour, but we got to go out and reach them. Let's serve one another. But let's not forget about lost sinners. The priest and the Levite were consumed with fulfilling their duties within the temple. But outside of the temple, they saw, they looked on the needy, but just passed on by. I can't be consumed with my service only. Hear me. It's part of our service and our duty as Christians to attend and to do everything that, it's in, that is within the house of God with our brethren. But we can't limit ourselves to this only. We were singing that God is not done with things that he's doing in this city. I believe that. I believe that this city belongs to Jesus. 
I'm, I got some faith high enough to believe that we're going to be having some church services that are massive church services that are not going to be in this building, but that we're going to have to do them somewhere else. People that are filled with the Holy Ghost that are going to be used by the power of God, not only here, but somewhere else. I can't limit my ministry to only the church property. It's important. It's necessary because we are the body of Christ. And the law of the Good Samaritan says you can walk on by if you want. But the law of Christ says you got to love. Pastor touched on that last Sunday. On the law of Christ. Because he got his disciples together. And he told them, you heard about the Ten Commandments? And like, oh yeah, Lord. He said, well, let me give you number 11. Love one another. Like I have loved you. That you should love one another. And that love is for us in the household of faith. But it's a love and a compassion that is also to extend to those that are out there. We're going to serve each other. We are going to disciple one another. And you know, I was looking up that word discipleship the other day, Pastor. And it's very interesting. Because a lot of times, and I'll put myself in that category, when I would think of the word discipleship, for some odd reason, just the word discipline would come into my mind. I don't like that word discipline. And it is part of discipleship, discipline. It is. But I would think of discipline and classroom, books, studying, which is also part of discipleship. It is learning the principles of God. But let me share something with you that I discovered. It doesn't end there. Because in the Bible, a disciple was an apprentice. A disciple was somebody that had on-the-job training. A disciple was somebody that was doing what their teacher was doing. It wasn't just sitting in a classroom, let me hear everything you got for me, teacher. Teach me, teach me. That was part of it. Teacher, teach me discipline. That was part of it. But it was also getting out there in the field, doing what their teacher was doing, doing what they were being learned in the classroom, learning and doing everything that they were supposed to do because they were really an apprentice. So I got to ask myself, am I really doing what Jesus is doing? Or am I just filling my head with knowledge? Am I just filling my head with principles? Am I just becoming disciplined in my own life? Which is all part of discipleship. But I got to become a doer if I'm going to really be a disciple. And I believe that if we're going to be a compassionate church, that we need some doers in the kingdom. People that are able to love like Jesus loved. People that are able, hear this, forgive like Jesus forgave. People that are able to go out and minister and do what our teacher has taught us to do. Mm. 
I like classroom work better, Brother Rusi. I like just sitting and listening and taking it all in. But if we're going to really be disciples, and guess what? That's part of our pastor's vision, which is a vision that has come from God, I believe, that we're going to be a united church. We're going to have, we're going to disciple the brethren here. We got a mission to disciple, but we also have a mission to reach the lost. But if we're going to really be part of that discipleship part of the mission, then we got to become doers. Doers that say, you know what? I could pray for the sick. Doers that say, you know what? I can teach a Bible lesson. Doers that say, I'm going to share the word with my loved ones and my family. We need doers in the kingdom of God that are able to say, I don't want to just listen and fill my head with principles. I want to do it as well. Got about half the people right now. And God could do some awesome things with half. But God wants to reach the whole body. I don't want to sit on the bench. Christianity isn't about sitting. It's about doing. We don't do to earn things for salvation. No, that's not part of it. But part of our doing expresses to a world that we are people of God. Amen? And just try it once. Just try it every so often. Just try it. Pray for somebody. And watch how healing can flow through you. But I don't have the gift of healing, Brother Rusi. You know what? Listen to this. God can use you. I've learned this. With any gift that he chooses to use you with even if it's not your gift you know why he does that because the need is present at that moment and you're the only believer there or maybe there are other believers but they don't step out and God can say you know what there's somebody sick here there's somebody that needs to be uplifted here there's somebody that needs to be set free here. Well, none of those are my gifts. It doesn't really matter because these signs shall follow them that believe. And if you just step out in faith, I'll tell you what, God will never let you be embarrassed when you step out in faith to do something for him. He will use you and you will be marveled at what God will do through your life. God is looking for some disciples that are doers. Our family needs some doers. Our friends need some doers. Our colleagues and our peers need some doers to do what Jesus does. Do we have any doers in the house? Are there any disciples? I don't have a title. I didn't ask that. Are you a disciple? I don't have a position. Positions come and go. Are you a disciple? You know what? We're in a church where over the years we've had a lot of biblical principles put into us. Now we got to do it. And Jesus, he's the God of compassion. I'll finish with this. 
because the certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Aren't you glad? This good, the good Samaritan represents Jesus, but aren't you glad that we serve a God that is so compassionate? He had compassion on him, and he went to him. Jesus draws near to where we are. If it wouldn't be for that, none of us would be here right now. Even you visiting friend, you think you just strolled on in maybe. You just accepted an invitation to come to church perhaps. Uh, you know what? No, Jesus had already been drawing near to you and he'd been tugging at your heart, uh, pulling you, orchestrating events, uh, setting things up uh, for this divine appointment today for you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the Good Samaritan poured oil and wine. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. It represents healing and blessing. The anointing of God and God's power. God has all those things available for us. The wine represented the blood of Jesus Christ that wipes away every sin and heals any disease as well. I don't want to get I have to always remind myself, the blood of Jesus is not only powerful to forgive sins, it heals any disease as well. And sometimes we forget about that. And this part wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to say it. Because sometimes we just focus on sins. And that's very important. We need the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus also died on the cross so that you can be healed of any sickness and disease. Just throw that out there for whoever needs it right now. The wine represents forgiveness. It represents restoration. It represents joy. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is not based on what happens. It's based on God. And when you have God, no matter what happens, you can still have joy. And he set him on his own beast. That represents that Jesus carries us when we need him. He lifts us up. He gives us strength. And if today you need to be lifted up, you need strength from the Lord. He's here to carry you and lift you up and give you that strength that you need for your life. He poured oil, wine, set him on his own beast, and then he took him to the inn, which represents the house of God. It represents the church. It represents the community of believers. Brothers and sisters, we need the church. Friend, you need the church as well. Because this is the place where we can encourage one another. Hear God's word. Worship corporately. Get touched at the altar and healed. I understand God does all these things out there as well, but I'm going to tell you what. I've experienced more things in the house of God at this altar. Healing, miracles, salvation. This was the altar where God touched me and spoke to me for the first time. 
He had spoke to me out there too, but it was just here when I came to the altar that was just that little different method and way that God dealt with me that changed my life forevermore. The church is here. It's available. Don't leave the church. Stay in the church. And friend, come. Jesus wants you in the church. I need the church. I'm going to move on right now, but let me say this. I need a pastor. I need a pastor that's going to feed me. That's going to correct me. Amen? I need a pastor that's going to lead me to greener pastures. We need a pastor in our lives. God has set them in the church. And he took them to the inn. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said, take care of him. The host represents the pastor. But it also represents the brethren that are here in the church to take care of those that come in need. I said this in the Spanish last Sunday, and I'll say it here. When I came to the church for the first time, I didn't know anybody. I was, you know, I didn't know what this was all about. I thought for sure there were some crazy people in here shouting and screaming, running, jumping, I didn't get all that. Speaking another tongue, like, wow, I wonder what language that is. It sounds kind of like, I don't know, but weird. I didn't know nothing. But the day I came in, someone hugged me. Someone encouraged me. Someone told me, come to the altar. And God changed my life forevermore. And you know what? Thank God. Because here in the church, you guys took care of Brother Rusi and my wife as well. Did you know that when my wife got baptized, you know, we didn't have money. We, I wasn't even working. We didn't have money to go buy nice clothes. But somebody, Sister Maria Mesta actually, came and gave my wife a bag of clothing. You guys took care of us. There was people that came unexpectedly, people that helped me one time on the freeway. I didn't have a spare tire. And they came in the middle of an Oscar De La Hoya fight to take care of me tell you what, it meant a lot. But there are others that are coming to PFAC that are going to need to be taken care of. Your family, your loved ones are going to come and others are going to come that God is going to bring. But you know what we're going to have to do? Show compassion. And we're going to have to take care of them and I'm so glad that our pastor he, you guys took care of me Pastor Anthony Bishop Romo as well you guys took care of Brother Rusi and now thank God I have the opportunity to serve the Lord but what about those that are coming let's show compassion what about that backslider that prodigal that comes back are we going to tell him you know what just go sit somewhere, anywhere, and we'll see what, if one day we might need your help. No, no, no. We're going to have compassion. Because
because I have some faith that if God restores prodigals, he could put them back in the service of his kingdom. And he gave them two pence. Did you know that God will supply what you need as you serve? And he said, when I come again, he told the innkeeper, when I come again. How many know that Jesus is coming again? When I come again, I will repay thee. He's coming again. And he has his reward for those that show compassion. I want to call those that would like to come to this altar that say, you know what, Brother Rusi? I want to show compassion and demonstrate the compassion and love of God to a lost world. If that's you, I want you to come.